Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Knicks Wall Podcast. This is one that uh, we've been waiting for for a long time, one we've been waiting to record with anticipation. Uh, on with me on the line, I've got Kyle Maggio. What's going on, everybody? Follow him at Kyle Maggio on Twitter. Also joining us, as always, we've got the one and only Brian Giberman. The world is not ending. It's not. It's not unless you follow uh, at Brian Giberman on Twitter, because there has been some uh, some hot takes, some big responses coming from you, some uh, some accusations getting thrown your way. Um, I'm pretty calm. I'm, I'm all right. I, I think I'm handling this all very well. Well, let, let's, you know, let, let's get into it. But before we do, just wanted to uh, mention to all of you, of course, that we are on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Go check out everything that we are doing with them over there. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, on YouTube, on any podcast platform. Head to the nickswall.com. We've had all this free agency buzz covered there, um, you know, since, since six o'clock on Sunday. Uh, and, you know, that just kind of brings us to our first point where after months and months and even more months of speculation, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving are not New York Knicks. They are, they're part of the Brooklyn Nets now. Uh, it's the whole, all of the, uh, the memes and the images and the photoshops and the soons and everything. And it's, it's all for naught. And I kind of want to start with Kyle Maggio here. And I, I, I want to grab just your initial thoughts last night on hearing leaked an hour before the boardroom could get it, that Kevin Durant is going to be a Brooklyn net. Yeah. So it sucks. Let's not pretend otherwise. Um, it, it blows. I tweeted probably minutes before, uh, Woj tweeted out that he was going to go to the Nets, that that was the one destination where it would actually be disappointing for me. Um, I would have been okay if he went back to Golden State. I would have been okay if he went to the Clippers and was with Kawhi. I would have understood it. Uh, basically, the Nets was the only thing that I wanted them to avoid. And just and because of that, you kind of knew that that was what was going to happen because that's just it's the Knicks. It always happens this way. So... Yeah, I'm I'm obviously pissed about that. It sucks. But you know, but we'll get to like the actual signings the Knicks made, which I'm mostly fine with. It's just you, you feel terrible. You know, it it's fine, but it, it's worse positions to be in. It's not like we're capped out or, you know, stuck with long-term deals or you know, there's not like there's a no decent youth on the roster. It's it's fine. It's I just, just feel like it, it the- feels like shit. Knicks fans had already started staking their, you know, emotional claim in Kevin Durant since, you know, Lord, I mean, if not the Porzingis trade way earlier, whenever that was first rumored that he was interested in coming here. I mean, it just got blown way out of proportion and just the emotions ran high. Uh, Brian, Brian, do you have that same, did you have any kind of emotional reaction to KD not signing here? Or is it just kind of Kyle's? It's just the Knicks again. No, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm either of those. I, it, we talked about it in the podcast, in the preview podcast before. The Nets actually went a step farther than I would have been willing to to sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I was not. I would not have given DeAndre Jordan a four-year, forty million dollar contract. That you're in the Nets and the Knicks are this are in the same situation. One of their best young players plays the center position, and signing someone, and especially for four years like DeAndre Jordan, who's going to minimize that player's impact for a roster that's going to need to be good in the margins, considering Durant's going to miss one full season. The second year, he is not going to be able to play 30 minutes a game and is going to be held out for games on a plan because he's coming back from a devastating injury. And then in year three of a four-year contract, he is going to be 30, 35 years old. So to waste significant resources like that, on a center is something I would not have been willing to do. I said, if the Knicks would have gotten those three, 
they wouldn't have they wouldn't win a championship with KD and Kyrie on the roster. And I feel the same way about the Nets right now. Um, they're going to get some good basketball years out of it. There's the ceiling that could end up with them winning a championship, but there's also the downside and the risk. And if Kevin Durant is getting paid $45 million when he's 35 and he's only 75% of the player he was, that's really bad. There's, there's just a lot of unknown in all this. And Deion, DeAndre Jordan was a step too far for me. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine with this not ending up on the Knicks roster. It was, I mean, I kind of lost faith in the whole package deal of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant a couple of weeks ago. I just figured that, you know, with kind of Kyrie up in the air about what he wanted to do. And then Durant seeming like surefire, you know, still seemed to be like a surefire Knicks player up until yesterday morning. Uh, you know, it, it, I didn't think that that reunion was real. And that's why I, I didn't put a lot of stock into Brooklyn clearing up that space. And I mean, Got to give credit because they they definitely executed well to get what they wanted. You know, they moved out the players that they needed to. They got, you know, they moved some picks out, but they got the space that they needed. And, you know, then the Knicks did the same thing. It's just, you know, maybe it was, maybe it was that DeAndre Jordan move that ended up being the, the uh, you know, the straw that really broke the camel's back for the Knicks and sent them on to Brooklyn. Maybe it was just the fact that, you know, I don't know how much, you know, the reporting came out last night of, of the Knicks not being super willing to give Durant all that money, like that they weren't going to offer him the max contract. And, you know, that kind of seemed to come out right in the middle of everyone just eviscerating James Dolan for not being able to pull this off. And then goes ahead and, you know, it only stoked the fire even more. And then the Knicks had this bizarre statement that they put out too. Uh, I mean, it, this, I, I feel like they were a little bit blindsided Probably not by Kyrie, but I feel like they were by Durant for sure. Yeah, this is kind of why I was out on the whole year. I was very, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I just didn't, you just can't, there's not a sure thing with this team. Not ever, not a single time. So can DC more realistic? You can make the legacy play, you know, come to, save the Knicks from themselves. Basically, if you win here, you're a legend. Um, you can make that pitch to him. And given, you know, how much backlash he got for going to the Warriors, it would have made some sense. A lot of fans talked themselves into it. Um, and also, that's another thing, too. A lot of fans are pretending like, oh, uh, we never said we were going to get KD for sure. That's a the media said we were going to get him. The media, like, that's just a lot of you guys that believed it. I kind of started to believe it too like i was iffy on it but we all kind of believed it let's not let's not do this me uh media blaming bullshit thing again uh i run the next wall mentions i saw what you guys were saying it was pretty much a lock if i didn't say it if i said anything implying otherwise you guys got mad you everybody thought it was a lock let's be serious it sucks all right it sucks but that's what it was and it wasn't it wasn't wrong at the time to think it was a high percentage chance. Every single locked in reporter said so. Yep. Kevin Marcus Thompson had in his kind of wrap up of what happened that Kevin Durant wanted to be a Nick, but Kyrie Irving didn't want to go with him. And that he decided, I'm guessing the injury thing came in and he didn't want to do it by himself. It's just things happened and, and the path changed and that's okay. It's okay to admit that. But one the Knicks front office showed confidence and said, basically flat out said they were going to get him through innuendo. Like, there's no reason to lie about this stuff. And I don't think, I'm not mad at the media reporting what they reported either, because they were obviously told stuff. I think the Knicks organization was told stuff. And it was right for fans to be excited. But it it, it changed. The dude suffered an awful, horrendous injury. His best friend decided he wanted to go to the Nets. I think those are two major points that you couldn't have predicted happened before. Like you could have went, oh, Kyrie's going to stay with the Celtics. Then the Nets wouldn't have been an attractive option for KD. It just it's just happened how to how it played out. And I don't think I really don't think anyone I don't think the Knicks front office is, is to blame. If you want to get at them about the KP trade. Sure, that that's your prerogative. I don't mind the KP trade. I'm okay with it. But just this 
that there was always going to be multiple paths and this is how it how it went because a bunch of low percentage things have played out there there's been a lot of discounting of the kp trade um and they you know since last night as well where they're saying well you know the knicks got rid of their first homegrown star since patrick ewing and you know it's just for a chance to clear out salary cap space and they didn't end up walking away with anybody and you know there there's just a lot to pick out from there there's the fact of the matter is, and we'll get to all these contracts a little bit down the line, but the Knicks have put themselves in a really good position to not only sit out of most of next year's free agency class when it's not going to be that, you know, that strong of a of a, a class. There's not going to be many suitors out there for them, but you know, they are positioned super well to get them right in the spot where they are in 2021, where there's going to be a bunch of talent on the market, and they still have those Dallas picks. And the biggest thing we're, that we're ignoring here. Is that KP was or the Porzingis said he wasn't going to resign with the Knicks? So yeah, still call bullshit on that though. Uh, I I don't know. I feel no, like that no, relationship no, got really fractured. No, everyone likes to say that he was definitely going to walk. Nobody's ever turned down that extension. Nobody coming off a rookie deal has ever turned down that extension. He's a seven three guy with a lot of ailments, coming off an ACL injury. I said this on the emergency pod, but there's zero chance he would have just done the qualifying offer and then bounced. For, for $5 million when he would have turned down $160 million. I just don't see it. I'm sorry. I, I, I think that relationship was really strained. I think that Porzingis I, felt likely that he could have gotten his money elsewhere, and I think he would have taken the qualifying offer. I, I, as, as strongly as you feel the other way, I feel the okay, opposite. The, okay, so how about it's most likely somewhere right in the middle. I, I'm with Kyle that I don't think he would have passed on the QO. But you also could force yourself to trade, make a stink, and force yourself out after getting that. And the, from the Knicks side, it, the argument to just not invest in a player with the risks that he has from an injury perspective and not wanting to give him a five-year fully guaranteed contract is a completely understandable position to take. It, it's kind of like how I am with the Katie and Kyrie thing. Like, I, I would have been fine if they signed them. I understand the reasons why you do that. I'm also fine with not signing them because of the downside that there was. Like there, There's a lot of gray area in all of this. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I just, to me, the KP, and every, the other thing too is everybody saying the KP trade was all about just getting some assets back for someone who's going to walk. It wasn't necessarily about this summer, but it, it was, you know, they, like you said, through any window, like they kept saying stuff about, Oh, we're very confident of our chances this summer. We're very confident. And aside from the, the Dolan bit too, like initially Perry and Mills were pretty gung ho about, we have, you know, potentially two max slots and they, they alluded to things. It's not a guarantee. It's not a promise. They didn't explicitly say it, but you're being kind of willfully ignorant if you're ignoring the things that they were hinting at. Yeah, so, and I mean, the, the icing on the cake of all that, too, was the Michael K. Dolan interview. Right, where exactly, he, where he yeah. basically said it. Right. It's just, we don't need to pretend otherwise. Like, it's fine. Like, sometimes you take losses. It's okay. It's not a big deal. We were going to get jokes no matter what. Had they signed Durant to a max deal, then everyone would have said something about his Achilles and maxing him out and if no other stars came as but like it is what it is. Like we were gonna get jokes either way. We'll continue to get jokes until we prove we could be a winning franchise. But like let's not pretend things didn't happen a certain way either. Right. And and the thing is too that you know, and we're gonna hop into this in a second, like I was just saying, but you know, it's not like the Knicks have completely balked on that cap space that they opened up. It's there is you know, they they position themselves to still be in an adequately in an adequate position to strike once the you know talent matches what they are anticipating in, in the following years. Like they have, a, they just got a lot of you know decent decent length two three year contracts that many of them could probably be moved. It's not like they're you know the only one. It's it's not like they're these you know they didn't just give huge contracts to you know guys who are getting overpaid on the market this year. They kept they kept them short. They kept themselves in a, in a combative position. I think they still have a lot of flexibility, and I think above all, that is really what they aim to. I think that was their goal 
if they couldn't get Kevin Durant, they couldn't get Kyrie Irving, keep as much flexibility as possible and just keep on treading along. And that's, that's kind of the only thing that we can do right now. It's, it's, we just got to keep on moving forward with, with what we have here. We have a lot of really, really talented young players. We have Mitchell Robinson. We have RJ Barrett. Now we have, you know, the ability to let them grow completely unencumbered. And then we have some solid vets who are going to be able to fill in those gaps around that. I'm not like, I'm not saying that this is necessarily even going to be a playoff team next year, but I'm saying that, you know, the, that the timeline as it stood earlier in the year still stands. Now we just don't have those giant wrenches of Durant and Kyrie Irving to either facilitate or potentially impede things. It's not normal to go from 17 wins to immediately having a championship contending roster, which is basically, look, there would have been a year time lapse between that, but that's basically the goal of what the Knicks were trying to do. That the Heat were able to pull it off, the Celtics were able to pull it off, but that that that's not normal. That's not how teams build. It's It's a gradual process of improving, adding talent, getting better, then once you show you're good and once you show you're an actual functioning basketball team, then stars are attracted and are interested in coming to you. So what the Knicks have done now is they, they basically pivoted exactly how I would have. We can we can nitpick about I think one of the players, but outside of that, the 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 three signings, Randall, Bullock, and Gibson, I think are pretty much quality signings at at a reasonable price. And now what they well, did was so they got one big piece in Randall, who's 24, and he could potentially be part of their core long term. But they also, even within that context, they gave themselves an out with the third year team option. So even with the younger player they think might be with them long term, they played it safe. Everyone else they got is on a two year contract. They're going to make the team better. Listen, the Knicks, Knicks forwards last year. They were the sixth worst in points per 36 minutes and had a league worst true shooting percentage at 52.9%. They had the third worst three point percentage at 33%. Julius Randle and Taj Gibson have a true shoot, had both had a true shooting percentage over 600 last year. Bobby Portis was less efficient overall, but he shot 39% from three. Randle shot 34% from three. Bullock, who's going to play some. Of the three, played thirty nine. It shot thirty nine percent from three. The Knicks forwards last year. Who played forward for them last year? Think about who played power forward for this team last year. Kevin Knox, Noah Vonley, Mario Hazonia. Who am I missing that got some? Luke Cornett, Lance Thomas played a ton of minutes at the four. They're a significantly right. better basketball team in that spot right now when than they were. They have a guy you can run your offense through. So are the Knicks going to go from 19 to 50 wins to, to 45 wins and then to upper 50s the year after? No, probably not. Can they now go from 17 to 30, 35, plus have a bunch of expiring contracts and young players that you can add in trades, and then the year after hopefully go up to 40, 42? And then when all that money clears out, you have – cap space you look like your actual functioning basketball organization and when other star players come up it's like okay we saw these young players can help in a contrib in a in a winning sense with what those guys were now imagine if you put rj barrett and mitchell robinson with the even higher level talent so this is now the now you have to act like a normal nba basketball team and keep it moving the quick fix went away now you keep building. You look for trade opportunities to use with the with the picks. They're they're plus in the picks because of the Mavs, and they have all their own. So they're, they're fine. And hope the some of the guys the guys they have to they signed have to have to pan out and be decent basketball players. And David Fisdale can't be a bad coach. This he should be able. I'm not saying they need to win 45 win games next year, but he should be able to mold this roster into a 30 to 35 win team. Yeah, I mean that's about where I sit with with it too. I, I kind of picture them as being about in that thirty or thirty five range. Uh, we're going to get big into the details of all these contracts in a second, but first I wanted to tell you all about our new sponsor, uh, Eight Sleep. Do you guys know what the worst sound in the world is? It's your alarm clock. If you haven't gotten enough sleep, 
no matter how much you love that song on your phone, when it wakes you up in the morning, you just want it to stop. I totally took a button, learned my lesson about that in high school, having just the loudest, most obnoxious punk songs as being my ringtones when I would wake up in the morning. And now I have these gorgeous chime bells to get me up. But imagine this scenario. The surface temperature of your bed gradually adjusts to wake you up gently and naturally without the sound of an alarm. That sounds even better. Imagine now waking up rested and alert. Not science fiction. This is the new Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. And there's a reason why Time Magazine calls 8 one of the best inventions of the year. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool, your partner likes the bed warm, now you can both have now you can have both at the same time in a crazy comfortable bed and no more alarm clocks. And to celebrate Independence Day, you can get a free gravity cooling ba- blanket plus free shipping with your pod purchase, a $300 value completely free. Offer ends Monday, July 8th. Visit 8sleep.com slash bluewire. That's 8sleep.com slash bluewire. E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash bluewire. Why don't we dive back into Julius Randle real quick? Because he seems to be the prize acquisition for the team. Uh, Randle signed a three-year contract with that last year being a, uh, a player or a team option, rather. Um, I think that's super important with them going into uh, going into next year. It's a, it's a three year, $63 million contract, but going into 2021 free agency, I mean, that's going to be huge. You have the, you now have the complete option where, you know, this guy is a core member of our core. We've really loved how he's developed with every other member of our, of our, you know, young players and getting them into a position where these guys are going to get closer to getting paid. You know, it, it's better to keep them on the books, but if he just doesn't work out, you know, you got your out clause right there. And then you got all these other guys on two-year contracts. Like, they could put themselves right back where they are. Um, but I'm excited for Julius Randle to be joining the team. I, I, I really think he sits right into that fourth spot very, uh, re- real nicely with everyone else around him. And, I, and it's just, he also seemed to be the guy that was rumored most if the KD and Kyrie thing didn't work out. Um, so at least there is some air of truth to that after everything that was going on. But uh, I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of the Julius Randle signing. Yeah, I've obviously been on this podcast for years, as you both know, <laughs> uh, trying to get Julius Randle on this team. I I spoke at length about a potential Randle Porzingis pairing. I wanted that very dearly. Um, so we finally get Julius Randle, and there's no KP, so it's a little bit bittersweet in the sense of me not being able to see that pairing for my favorite basketball team, but. Uh, we have Mitchell Robinson, so it's not the end of the world. I'm I, excited about that pairing, really. Yeah, I, I, my only concern is, and Julius can shoot a little bit, but my only concern with it is, you know, part of what I was hoping for for RJ this year was really good spacing, and the Knicks are never great at that, but just the NBA spacing in general. And I do, I think, I think the Randall Mitchell pairing is good for those two but i wonder how how it affects the offense with rj because i don't want it to get clunky like it was at duke where he would go into the paint and there's just two guys in in zion and whoever the center was just kind of waiting there so i do wonder about that and how this is on fisdale of course to make sure that this isn't an issue but that was my my only like drawback to it other than that i thought uh, that's a pretty good four five. I think Mitch is going to cover up a lot of what Randall does defensively. And, um, you know, on the flip side of it, having some offense in the interior is going to help because Mitch doesn't give you much of anything besides rim rolling or, uh, you know, that just the alley-oops in general. So I, I'm okay with it. I just do kind of have my spacing concerns given what RJ likes to do, but we'll, We'll see. Overall, everybody knows I, I've really been high on Randall for a while. I kind of figured that was the deal he'd get. Uh, was the team option confirmed? Because I yeah, saw yeah, Steve Popper say... Stephen Popper, it, Popper changed his okay. report. Okay, because I, I fell asleep at some point without seeing 
what the actual uh, finalization there was. But if it was a straight up three year deal, I would be a little bit more worried. Yeah, I, I remember having that reaction because it didn't come out at first that it was a team option. It just came out as a straight up three year deal. And I, I, I felt like it was a little bit of an overpay. But that team option is awesome on the end there. Yeah, if you get the team option, then I and we said this on the last podcast too. The 2024 agent class sucks. Like they're not going to get Anthony Davis, right? They're not going to get Draymond Green, and then the oh, rest wait, wait, of it on, is pretty mad. Thing, if so, because of the contracts they signed, say Anthony Davis, something crazy in LA happens, and Anthony Davis wants to come here, the path for them to get the money to sign Anthony Davis is super easy. Sure, but he's not coming. Is the point? He's going to stay in LA. No, but but if but if if a trade comes, that's what I'm saying. If a trade, the the contracts they sign give them this flexibility to with the multiple avenues. Still, they haven't. It's not going to take a player like what happened to the Heat. Like the Heat are getting right. lucky. Like it's it's a much easier path for the Knicks to get to a full cap, a full salary cap, full a max slot than it would be if they handled this season in a different way that's why i don't care about who's getting like two-year contracts even at this point like like i like i like the players that we picked up but i don't mind them getting a little bit overpaid in these two-year deals because like they're still movable enough that you can get enough salary off your books like this in the case that somebody even if it's not anthony davis but somebody becomes available that the knicks want to pursue and then you you know even if that doesn't happen even if a trade doesn't come up in the next two years that you really feel like you need to uh, you know, go for you. You're still going to have the opportunity to go out and sign whoever the hell you want in you know in two years time. And I understand that this is the exact same scenario that we're walking out of now. You know, in a not so happy place. But the Knicks need to learn from how they kind of approach this and and the promises they made ahead of time and the innuendos and the wink winks and everything. You know, I feel I I still feel confident that they're recovering from the situation correctly enough. And that with a such with like a more well-groomed team of all these players who are going to be in the league for three, four years at time at that, at that point, um, you know, and then just having some actual talent around them, having some actual veterans around them, have trying not to just completely bottom out. Like the, the roster construction they've had the last couple of years has clearly been intended for, um, you know, I, I, I think that they're still going to be, in a position to make a lot of moves from here. So last season, the Knicks offense was essentially ran through Enos Cantor at points, a lot Tim Hardaway Jr. at points, Emmanuel Moutier, a little bit of Dennis Smith Jr., but really not much because he got hurt. Now the Knicks are going to be able to look, is Julius Randle going to be a number one offensive option on a championship level team? No. That's completely ridiculous. That would be completely ridiculous to think. But he had a 28 usage last year, and he had a 60 true shooting percentage. The year before, he had a 25 usage, and he had a 60 true shooting percentage. So what the Knicks have now is they have a guy you can put the ball in his hands, he can score efficiently, and that is going to allow the other players on the roster to play their correct roles. It will make Kevin Knox a better offensive player. It, the spacing, the the spacing with him and RJ is going to be interesting. But I do think you can stagger them a little bit. There's some combination of players that you can already see that David Fisdale should be using to balance offense and defense. And we'll we'll get into that longer down the line. But I'm um, I'm fascinated by what he can do. But so Randall is giving you a guy that's going. It's going to allow Reggie Bullock to be a spot up three point shooter and not ask him to do more. It's going to well, like you're not going to have to put the ball in other people's hands as much. Knox isn't going to be have as much responsibility. So Rand, just Randall being on this team is going to make those around him better. Let's talk about uh Reggie Bullock for a little bit then since we're getting into him. 2 year 20 1 million dollar contract. Uh I feel like I haven't seen a ton of Reggie Bullock but his stats have been his shooting is is pretty outstanding for what I'm seeing. I mean, he is what did he shoot thirty nine percent from three? I think last year. Uh, and we're not talking about like that year that was it two years ago where Lance Thomas shot forty from three for the whole season, but didn't really get a ton off. It was like 
I feel like this dude's a legit shooter, something that this team's going to really need, especially like you were just talking about with uh, with Smith and with uh, you know, RJ not ex- exactly having the uh, most beautiful touch in the world. But you know, I, th- this is, again, where they're filling out their front court because they have very little... You know, they have they had a lot of need there, so they're going to put a lot of competent bets in there and maybe even a player who can join the core, uh, you know, long term. And then you get all these shooters to supplement all your other wing, your young wings and your, you know, your guards who can't. Maybe they haven't found their shooting touch yet, but they just, you know, for one reason or another, they're not they're, they're They just can't shoot right now. So you get all these other you know veterans around them. Also, not necessarily letting them go to a contender, which I don't know if the Knicks necessarily need to be involved with there. But, you know, it's it's the more guys you keep away from, like, you know, the Lakers, the more shooters that you keep away from the Lakers right now, I'm I'm pretty happy about. Um, But, yeah, I, I just I think that, you know, they're supposedly going after Wayne Ellington as of when we're recording this right now. It's about 1015 on Monday morning uh, Eastern time. But. You know, I, I'm again, this just seems like the move. Get your young guys to be really running the show, like let them make their their mistakes, let them make exciting plays. And then you have these shooters to bail them out. You have these solid defensive bigs to bail them out. Like it's it. These are good signings, given the the circumstance. I, I, I again, I haven't seen a lot of Bullock, but just his numbers alone, I'm pretty excited to have him join the team. It's. It's fine. Like the signings are fine. Like, we needed shooters. We were bitching about it forever. The last podcast, this is basically exactly what we proposed that they do if they needed to pivot. So outside they, of Bobby Portis. Outside of Bobby Portis. The the Portis thing I don't really like, to be honest with you, but I, I think that I think I'm that's on Portis. I think it's too much money. I think he kinda is who he is. I I could be wrong. I just from when I've watched him and I liked him at first with the Bulls, but since then, it's just not it, – it's it's a non-starter for me. But Again, Randall, his Randall shooting touch is really exciting. Yeah, like, he can he can shoot, and it spaces the floor. Like, I, I get the appeal there. It's just – I don't know. It, it just doesn't do a ton for me at that price point, well, I Mitch, guess. Mitch and Taj playing defense together is going to be great. Yeah. Like, the Knicks are going to – like, the Knicks could throw out Frank, Dotson – Taj and Mitch together for stretches, and that'd be a that's a really really good defensive team. Yeah, uh, just to uh, get these numbers on record too, we got Bobby Portis on a two year thirty one million dollar deal, and then Taj Gibson on a two year twenty million dollar contract. I would have probably gone for one or the other. I I feel like is Taj more of a like a small ball five now. They both uh, you there you they can both I think you basically you're you're gonna split the ninety six minutes at center and power forward mainly between Mitch and the three guys signed yesterday maybe mm-hmm. with a little Knox mixed in there's gonna be injuries during the season there's gonna be foul trouble I that I don't like the Knicks needed big men that's what the other part of yes. this is the Knicks are showing they're they're Dennis Smith Jr. Alonzo Trier Kevin Knox Damian Dotson. Frank Nilakina, like Reggie Bullock's going to play some. Like they're showing confidence in their young players, and they're expecting them to take a step forward at the one, two, and three positions. And they decided to invest money in the four and five, where they literally had no one under contract. It, it makes it makes some sense, and this is kind of what we were talking about with. I wouldn't say following the Nets model, but at some point, like you have the young guys that you're going to have. Like, the Nets made that trade to get D'Lo, right? And then he was their big, young prospect. Like, the Knicks have their big, young prospects, you know, for better or for worse right now. They have R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson. You know, last year was Knox, Mitch, Trier. You know, Dotson's still hanging around. Frank's still hanging around. They have a lot of young guys. And at some point, you have to surround those young guys with actual competent NBA players to complement them and their skill sets and help them start winning games so that they aren't stuck in this tank mode of trying to do too much or play outside of their games and and forced to be worse players than maybe they actually are. Like you have to get them some kind of help. So I, I don't mind it. This is what you should be doing. And hopefully you can go out there and this is where it's on Fisdale now to make this work. You have guys who can space the floor. You have guys who can shoot. You have guys like Randall who are 
versatile offensively who can kind of play make a little bit and get out in open space and, and run the break for you as a big man. Like, you have to get creative with how you use this team. They should be running a lot. They should be spacing the floor a lot. So it's it's good. They can play more. I'm not going to say winning basketball, but they can play a better brand of basketball, more competent brand of basketball. And the next couple of years, basically, everyone's talking about the 2021 20, free agent class now because of Giannis. But we're getting, you know, don't put the cart in front of the horse here. Like, you have to show now for these next two years that your young guys are who you think they are and that you can actually win some games or nobody's going to come still. So go out there, like, Make these young guys, mold them into what you think that they're supposed to be. But you have, you have to start putting a, an attractive brand of basketball out there. Just saying, oh, come play for MSG, come play for the Garden. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares. If they didn't care, they would sign here. They don't. They don't care about that. So don't talk to me about the Knicks branding and it's, it's a Knicks town and the, the Nets are the B team. It, it, that's dead. That's dead. They got superstars. We didn't. It's dead. You know, we have to go out there and put out an attractive brand of basketball to draw stars in. You know, just keep being competent for the next couple of years like Perry's been for the last two years. But this is the hard part of it now. It's easy to tear it down. Now, how are you going to build it back up? So I, I'm not I, – I'm, I'm still pretty indifferent. Like, I, I don't mind the signings. I like that they pivoted this way. But now i got to start seeing some wins, even if it's not a lot. And all I'm saying by that is, like, 30 wins. Just get near there. Show some improvement. Take a step. Like, I just need to see that Mitch and RJ are who they are, who we think they are, and that these signings kind of complement them to some degree. So we'll see, man. I, I'm, get, glad that they got, I'm glad they got shooters for RJ and Dennis, though. Yeah. Because I'm worried about their, sh- uh, their shooting this next season. Dennis, I mean, I, I'm obviously high on, but. With all the guys around on the team right now, it's like, all of these guys that they picked up or at least could potentially help them to tailor their you know, performance in one way or another. Like at the very least, Mitchell Robinson wants to take threes. I feel like Bobby Portis might be able to help out with that in one way or another. Like, I don't know, maybe it's an overpay for helping Mitchell Robinson develop a skill that probably won't become a long-term weapon of his in the NBA. But, uh, you know, it, like, again, it is what it is. Bullock and, and, you know, potentially Ellington or whoever else comes in to help with the shooting. It's like that's going to be, uh, you know, that's going to help out in that regard, too, in one way or another. Again, to what degree, we don't know. But, you know, just having them there to be able to tailor a little bit of, of the game plan towards those players and maybe plug in some of the younger guys in their stead at a few opportunities may just be what they need for now. Um, the, and that's what it comes down to. The, the number one priority for them right now and I think I'm pretty sure they would either have to make dots and they would have to let dots and go, which I don't think they're going to do, or they would have to kind of rearrange a million dollars to save in the contracts to make it fit of the guys they, they signed. But Goran Dragic should be the next number one focus right now. Yeah, taking this... that because they can take that contract on for a future pick, facilitate the, the trade, the Jimmy Butler trade, and you get you that way you're not you have a safety net for Dennis you have a safety net for Frank because look I like both players I still think both can be good NBA players I really do but there's no guarantee about that and the Nick I as I'm in the same place as Kyle we both want to watch the Knicks win games next year Warren's contract is only one year left on it and he would be a significant offensive upgrade to either of those players right now yeah he he can shoot he can create shots and that would be it would be a big step up for them and if they if that's a route they can go i think they should be very aggressive in trying to do that i think we're all we're pretty much all set on the tanking right like i i I think that from a fan base perspective from our own perspective from you know the the next front office perspective and everything like that it's like I feel like we've walked away and we haven't even seen the guy play yet, but we've walked away with enough of a prize in RJ Barrett from this past year of tanking. And, you know, the last couple of years of just not necessarily putting a team together that's going to be able to compete. Uh, I, I think everyone's kind of at a point now where we just want to try to improve what we have now and win as many games as possible. Cause like, it's again, like you're saying with the Brooklyn method, like, you know, it, it's, 
it's not going to be a one for one comparison, but like, and they, you know, they had a lot of luck that they, they were able to pull together, but you know, what they just did was they had a competent team that they, that, you know, they built up from the ground basically without having very many picks after, you know, moving them all to bus and everything, but they were able to build a team up and then they knew how far that team could take them. And then they were, they executed after that. They they didn't really need to tank to put that team together or anything like that. They didn't need to do any kind of. They didn't need to try to game the system essentially for it. Um, and you know, and they, they ended up walking away with a pretty good prize. And I, I think that teams are kind of looking at that and starting to evaluate it now and realizing that you know they're the more the more fruitful way to build, I suppose, is just work with what you have, make the best decisions as you go along. And, you know, when things are starting to break right for you, just execute as best as you can. I think the Knicks are in a good place to be able to execute from here. Um, do you guys want to take a look at, talk about any of the other signings around the league that uh, kind of piqued your interest? The uh, the whole D'Angelo Russell sign and trade thing has gotten pretty interesting to me. Uh, I, won- I wonder what the Warriors are up to with that. Yeah. It, it does not feel like they're signing him to keep him there. It's... It feels like a clay replacement for now to me. It could be. I think I think it could be, but with how a big contract though for like, you know, if you're only intent on having him around for the short term. Someone brought it up in our Slack chat yesterday. I think it was Eli or John, but um somebody brought up if the Warriors did that to recoup an asset to then flip him to like Minnesota to get Culver. And I thought that this is obviously pure speculation that hasn't been said anywhere, but the Minnesota stuff seemed pretty like, I wouldn't say done, but from all the credible plugged in people, that was like the move was he wanted to go to Minnesota. Minnesota was super confident. They had someone for Wiggins, meaning they had a trade basically framework done. So it seemed like it was all about just moving the pieces around to get it at that point. And I thought that's what we were going to see. And then he goes to the Warriors in the sign and trade, and obviously that fit doesn't make a lot of sense. So I'm I don't know that he stays there. I yeah I just I don't know if D'Angelo Russell signs on to be you know an asset to be flipped. Like, I don't think that was his intention, uh, you know, signing this contract. But like maybe he does go into that with the understanding that like you know we want you to be here while you know so we can stay competitive while clay thompson's out after we lose kevin durant everything like that and then you know the fit might not be great after that and we're probably going to look to move you after that you know that's something that maybe he can you know get behind but i think there's also some alert to going and playing for the warriors even even still after they kind of took some lumps um and you know he gets to go there and be part of that team that goes into that new arena for the first year and you know i i i mean there's definitely appeal to him to play for them. And I think it'll be an interesting fit next to Steph Curry, if not ideal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could totally see that happening somewhere down the line. I don't know what, I feel like Minnesota is going to be hard pressed to give up uh, Jarrett Culver, but I, I, you know, we'll, we'll have to see that, that one I, doesn't make a ton of sense like you guys are saying so far, but I'm really interested to see how that kind of plays out over the, over next season. Philly's starting lineup is awesome again. It's different. Like they've had the, in the past two years, two completely different groups, but also super fun. Like adding Josh Richardson, like that, that team is tall and long. They are fascinating too. Even go back to like the Sarich and the Covington and the you know, team, and then they move them. They get the Butler Tobias Harris team in there. You know, all the while you got Embiid and Simmons running around, and then you now you got Horford, you got Richardson. Like, yeah, this that they are going to be, they're going to be fun to watch. Like, they're going to be way more fun, I think, to watch play than the Simmons or, or and then the uh, the Butler Tobias Harris uh, pairing was. That defense is going to be so good. And between uh, like Tobias Harris is their worst defender by far. You have Embiid's an elite defender, Horford's an elite defender, Richardson's an elite defender, Simmons is an elite defender. Like that's going to be the best defensive team in the NBA. Yeah, everyone was talking about the Horford thing being kind of a weird signing. I saw like a lot of that at first, like oh that's strange with Embiid. I thought it was kind of brilliant because yeah. 
Embiid can get rest literally whenever he wants now. Horford can get rest whenever he wants now. And they can spell each other pretty nicely. And I think you could get really fun with the lineups. Like you can play to you can go big if you want and play them at the four or five and put Tobias at the three. You can put Tobias at the four and interchange both of those and it might work better with um, you know, depending on who you're playing, because Horford kind of serves as an offensive hub as a big man, whereas Embiid's more of just a dominant offensive force looking to score. So I think you can really throw a lot of different looks at teams if you're Philly, and it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of smart. And like they still like retained their talent level that they had last year despite moving Jimmy. So like the window is still open. It's just a slightly different look. And Horford's passing ability and Brett, Brett Brown runs almost run. I think the Sixers ran the least amount of pick and rolls in the league. So his, as you said, using him as a hub that he can pass will be really good. They can do some interesting things that I would do. I would imagine him and Horford and Simmons are going to play a lot together once they do, because Philly does that thing where they take him beat out early and then bring them back with the second unit. So you're going to get Horford and Simmons running those non-Embiid minutes. And that I, I like how those two fit together. That will open up some spacing for if you say you put Harris at the four and Horford at the five, that's going to open up a lot of space for Simmons to do some dribble drive stuff. I just saw that uh, Jamal Murray contract too. That, is... that seems like it could be, that could go either way, it feels yeah. like. Yeah, that that one surprised me a little bit. Um, I really like Jamal Murray a lot, and that to me was even a little bit much. But I, I get. I mean, I also kind of don't blame them because they had a very good team this past year. They very easily could have went to the Western Conference Finals. That was a really good series they had with the Blazers. But I guess they're just, you know, locked into the score. And I don't know if I, I blame them, but I think that's a lot of money for Jamal Murray. Yeah. Ooh, I am glad. I'm just kind of scrolling through timelines now. I am glad that Pat Beverly got paid with the Clippers. Oh, well, f- first of all, yes. But the one thing I did want to say on this podcast today pertaining to the Knicks that we haven't covered is uh, thank the thank God. Oh, I know where this is going. Terry Rozier. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Signed in Charlotte for $60 million. Thank nothing would I would have been set off yesterday had they signed Randall and then signed Rozier for $60 million. Like, I I don't know what the Knicks were going to offer. I assume maybe if it wasn't three years, it would have been two years, but similar money. I would have lost my shit if they signed Rozier for any kind of money like that. Charlotte's like the only ownership group that can out Knicks the Knicks. So, I, I, I'm I'm th- I'm thrilled that I don't even have Brian. Obviously, you're, you'll go now, but I'm I'm thrilled we don't even have to waste a ton of time talking about Rozier and just dodge that bullet. There is nothing that would have made me more upset yesterday than seeing Terry Rozier with the Knicks. I, I would have I would have defended the Rozier signing if it was basically the Taj Gibson contract, something like that. There's no no you wouldn't have heard a single positive thing. Like there's levels to it. You would have heard not a single positive thing about the Knicks signing Terry Rozier on a two years, forty million dollar contract. I would have, I would have destroyed them. So there's a difference. So I like if you sign him, if they would have signed him to a reasonable contract that wasn't a lot of money and it was two years. There's some points in his game that I would have pointed out are positives that could maybe see him turn into a better player than he was. But at the price point he went to. I would have I would have crushed the Knicks if they would have done that. Yeah, I, w- I mean, I would have crushed them for Santa Rosier, period. I just think you have, you know who your, like, no. who your offensive focuses are as guards. You don't, no, like you, you, have don't, you don't, though. That, that's I, a ro- that's for, the rosy picture. Dennis might not be that. We all hope, sure, we all sure, hope he sure. is. Sure, but at the same time, you have multiple guys with upside who you can bank on, like at least giving the ball to and trying something out and it's okay versus what they did is a little bit better because they just paid for the position that they had none of, you know, aside from um, Mitch, they had no real bigs, no fours, you know, they needed forwards. So like they went and showed that like, I'm, I'm glad if they were going to spend the money trying to build a somewhat competitive basketball team, they did it that way. 
versus adding yet another ball handler, a young ball handler to the to the mix, and then we're going to juggle three guys kind of aimlessly as who's the offensive initiator, and it kind of could have mucked things up. I, like for me personally, I prefer it this way. Not saying it's a lock, as high as I am on those two, not saying it's a lock that those two are going to pan out, but I would much rather bet on those one of those two, you know, so really you, wait, 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 turning so into something good. you wouldn't good. take Goran Dragic on this team? I would take Goran, but that's different because he's a proven entity at this point. Like, he's a, an efficient, good, off, like an above-average offensive player. Like, he's that's different. Rozier is not that. And you have to, like, you're saying about, oh, well, Dennis and RJ aren't sure. Like, that's fine, but neither is Rozier. Oh, okay. Like, Rozier has an awful lot to oh, prove, yeah, yeah, too. And he's, and, he's, and he's older and then expensive. So, for me, the value is in you have RJ and Dennis on rookie deals, and I'm not sure he's even better than Dennis Smith Jr., Rozier. So, for me, at that point, it's like, what are we doing paying a guy who's probably not even better than Dennis to come in and overlap and have yet another – Offensive initiator. It just made little sense to me to begin with. So that's why I wanted nothing to do with it. It was like we're adding yet another question mark, except this one has a bigger price tag. And I just wanted no part. I could not have wanted Rozier less than I wanted him. Like to me, him signing in Charlotte for $60 million yesterday was the biggest one of the Knicks, like the next day. Like I was, so, I was thrilled, like so relieved, relieved. I was crushed by the Durant thing for a second, and then I see Charlotte picks him up for $60 million, and I was just relieved. I was like, okay, so the Nixiest move is now out of the picture. Like, I, I immediately felt better. I was like, okay, so now they're going to get Randall, and then we'll see what happens from there. So that's why I don't really hate it. But Rozier is just, just thank God. Thank God. I, I would have been, it would have been 50 minutes of me being angry this morning if we got Rozier. Well, let's, uh, Let's wrap it up at that then. I, I, I don't think we can deal with any of uh, Kyle's anger from here. And if the Knicks pull off any more Knicks-type moves, I think we better better save it for later on in the week. Um, yeah, so I guess... I guess uh, I mean, this is where we are. It feels really weird recording this episode. Just like this is, this is the moment that's been promised to us uh, from you know, earlier on the season. And now here we are. We, we, I think we all kind of knew all along. It wasn't going to go down the way we planned and then not ending up with the number one pick in Zion. And, you know, we thought that would be the thing that would change, but we'd still get Kyrie. We'd still get KD and the things are just different now. But again, I, you know, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm still feeling pretty good. I'm still feeling confident. I'm not as defeated as I thought it would be. Um, I know a lot of us have differing thoughts about it. So if you, if you guys really want to, uh, you know, get into us, uh, get into this with us. Just, uh, you know, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on, on YouTube comments, you know, uh, you know, let out your frustrations. That's what we're here for. So, uh, you know, make sure you're following us on Twitter make sure you're following us on, uh, on Instagram at Nick's wall, uh, follow all of us individually at Corbo, Anthony at Kyle Maggio at Brian Giberman. Um, head to the nextwall.com subscribe to us on all those places that you can subscribe leave us some reviews stuff like that uh and then we will be back with you all later on in the week don't sign emmanuel moody please don't sign emmanuel moody